Just a small little order of business before we get started this morning. How many of you are just a little bit cool this morning in the auditorium? Could you raise your hand? That would help just a little bit. Okay, good news. The preacher has plenty of hot air for you this morning, so we are going to get going. Warm you right up by that second or third point. You will be just smoking and sweating. We are excited that you're here and glad that we are together and we are got a lot of ground to cover today. In our series that we call Just Like Jesus, and the whole the whole idea of this series is is that we are all in, which is our theme for the year, but it's all in not just for an hour, you see, not just here for the time we do this, and then we, yes, we're all in, and we got, you know, everything checked off, and, and we got our ticket punch for the week, and no, it, it's, it's a continuation of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's a it's a lifestyle of living as Jesus called us to live and to be and behave in this world. First John chapter two, verses five through six is kind of the the theme verse, if you will, of this of this series. And it's if anyone obeys his word, love his love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Catch this. This is important. This is how we know we are in him. If you're looking at First John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as he did. One translation says must walk as he walked. So this is important. A part of being all in is not just one day a week. It's all seven days of the week. And so last week we started by saying that that being just like Jesus means humbling yourself, making Jesus greater and ourselves less. The world stood aghast. Something shocking had happened. Oh, what was it you asked? Was it a, a terrorist attack in some country? Was it, a, was it a, a, a shooting somewhere? No, it was shocked because something happened that was so unusual. The world was aghast that a princess closed her own door. So several months ago, Princess Meghan Markle, who's married, newly married to Prince Harry, and she was not born in royalty. She's not used to this kind of lifestyle. And she goes somewhere to, to make a speech or do a talk. And, and this moment right here caused a kerfuffle. It was, it was the fact that since she was not raised in royalty, Meghan didn't understand that this, that this moment right here is, that this moment right here, that this moment right here is a royal faux pas, okay? Closing the door is something reserved for a bodyguard or a servant or someone running the event. It's not something that royalty does. Now, hers was an honest mistake. She didn't come by it naturally. She just simply forgot whose job it was to serve in that situation. Sometimes, sometimes you and I as followers of Jesus do the same thing. We forget whose job it is to serve, only in the opposite direction. If you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 42 through 45, uh, this is going to be on page uh, 1087 in the Pew Bible. As we learned, the second way to live like Jesus lived the key text, Mark 10, 42 through 45. Now, before we get started in the text, as you're turning there, I'll give you a little context. In about verse 35, James and John ask Jesus for an unusual request. You see, they know he's king. 
And they've seen him do some amazing things, and they've sort of put two and two together in their mind and thought, man, if this guy is going to overthrow Rome, if this guy is going to be the guy predicted and prophesied about by Scripture, if this guy is going to be king, then uh, we're in a pretty good spot. But see, there's there's 12 of us here, so maybe we better vie in for position a little bit early. Just try to sneak in there. Just just go ahead and have a little side conversation with Jesus. Hey, hey, would it be okay if we could have the seats to the left of you and to the right of you? And Jesus... This is the the very generalized response here. Jesus said, I think you misunderstand what kind of king that I am. Uh, it's, It's not for me to grant to those who sit on my right and my left, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And there, verse 41, and when the ten heard it, so these two have been, you know, sort of like, oh, I guess that didn't work out. And they go back, and the other ten hear about it. Oh, James and John, all right. That's how you see yourselves, verse 42. And Jesus said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be this way among you. But whoever would be great must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the problem is this. Everyone, especially in our world, everyone wants to be served. You say, well, not me. I know I mean. I'm talking to everyone, especially in our country, in our culture, in the free market. There are lots of opportunities to be served uh this this past month i just thought about it okay there were lots of opportunities where i was served i had my mail my packages delivered i had my car washed by someone else i had my hair cut by someone someone else taught my children both in school setting and here at church Uh, just a little while ago someone prepared my taxes a few weeks ago, someone changed my oil. And, of course, very often there's a place that serves me spicy chicken. Now, you can think of a million examples. Like you say, well, but you paid for that. Right, right, right. And that's why I said in a free market, those businesses that serve well are those people, are those institutions that we give our money to freely and often because they serve so well. In fact, Someone sent me an article. Chick-fil-A has the best customer service in America, survey claims. That's right. Chick-fil-A's famous chicken joint has the best fast food customer service in America. They beat Sonic Drive-In, and came, which came in at second place, and Arby's, which came in at third, to which I say, what kind of competition is that? Now, now why is it that Chick-fil-A gets that award? It's not because, catch it, you may think it's because they serve chicken and waffle fries. It's not. What they're good at is serving people. So today when I go, and I'll I'll be staying long here today, and so I'll probably go somewhere and get a chicken sandwich. And when I go, as soon as I go, I'll probably go up here to McDonald's, forgive me, um, but I'll get irritated. From the moment I hit the, the drive through box, just the, the attitude in their voice, at the length of time that it takes, the way they don't want to have a little minute conversation at the drive through window. All of those little details are designed to show they are not serving chicken. They are serving people. And when businesses understand that, 
makes our world a better place. The danger in that is it creates this expectation that I'm here to be served instead of to be a servant. You ever have the Starbucks barista mess up your name? Oh, how dare they? I mean, of all the gall, I mean, just, they don't know who I am. You get a little irritated when you have to bag your own groceries at Walmart. Oh, man, I can't believe this. Going to Walmart and they make me check out my own, fill my own bags. Man, hashtag first world problems, people. May we consider that in our culture where customer service is rewarded, the byproduct of that is it creates with us an entitlement to a certain level of being served. What's the danger of that? Sneaks right in here to church. Worship service, the worship S-E-R-V-I-C-E becomes the worship serve us. Sing the songs I like. Preacher, I don't like when you preach about this. I sure wish that they had some ministries for me. You know, I sure wish somebody would take my kids so I could pay attention. I sure wish somebody would teach my kids so I could go to class. And and we understand we provide those things. I'm just saying that sometimes we can get careful, if we're not careful, that serve us mentality can creep into the church. The leaders are not immune. You've probably seen churches where the guy in my position is referred to as the senior pastor. He's the senior. It doesn't refer so much to the age of the, the preacher, the pastor. It's the senior. He's, he's the top dog. It's, it's the religious way of saying he's the big dog. I saw one church one time where they had a parking space for the first lady. Christy, did you even know that that was a possibility? That the preacher's wife got her own declared parking spot right here? I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just making the point that we have a culture where we expect to be served and served well. And this can go counterintuitively to what Jesus called us as people who are followers of him and people who are in the kingdom. It is not about... Being served is about being a servant. We in the kingdom are called to be servants. Jesus says, but it shall not be so among you. The world teaches this. The world teaches that leadership is where you are on the org chart at your company. How many people you have under you? How many direct reports? How many people report to you and answer To you, Jesus' standard of leadership is quite different. His standard of leadership is how many people do you serve? In John chapter 13, Jesus demonstrated his upside-down version of leadership. When as the night, the night before he would go to the cross, he said, I want to tell you something about what it means to follow me. And then a rabbi took off his outer garment and took a towel and some water and a basin and he bowed down and he washed the feet of his disciples, including, by the way, the feet of the one who would betray him. What a heart. What an example. That, according to Jesus, is leadership. 
And that's what leadership looks like in the kingdom. You see, serving is the master's mindset. It is the way that Jesus thought. Jesus, the the master not only lived a humble life, but he lived his life humbly serving other people. That mindset matters. I don't know if anybody here came out of the Marines, but I read an interesting book called Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And in that book, the author learned uh, in the Marine Corps, uh, the author, Mr. Sinek, learned what leadership was all about in the Marine Corps. When all of the men were going through the chow line, he noticed that the senior ranking officers went at the end of the line. Always. And and the highest ones were at the very back of the line. The author saw that the most junior Marines, the most inexperienced, those who did not know what they were doing and were probably newest to the program, took their place at the front of the line. Now, what's symbolic in the chow hall is very serious in the battlefield. Great leaders sacrifice themselves for the good of others. Long before the Marines taught that, Jesus called us to do that and lived it out. So so why does Jesus want servants instead of leaders? I mean, think about it. If you're starting a movement, if you're starting a kingdom, if you're starting a world-changing group of people, why would you want people who are servants instead of people who are leaders? Number one, servants are problem solvers, not problem finders. Servants, the nature of a servant is to see what is not happening that should be happening and to make it happen. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he noticed the towel and the basin and the water were there, but there was no servant to do the task that was reserved for the lowliest of servants. And so Jesus, wanting to set a great example of leadership, took a knee and a towel for a reason, to remind them that servants are problem solvers. Not problem finders. I mean, Jesus could have sat there and said, well, who's going to wash the feet? He could have complained that there were no servants to do it. He could have griped to the disciples who made the arrangement saying, you should have found a servant. But instead, Jesus didn't just see the problem. He solved the problem. Jesus did that in small ways, and Jesus certainly did that in big ways. We had a big problem, you see, and someone needed to do something about it, and he was the only one that could, and so he did in humility lay down his life. So servants are problem solvers, not problem finders. Let me give you an example of that at Northside. Sometimes we'll have a dinner. Maybe this will happen at guest lunch today. Sometimes it happens at Wednesday night meals. But there will be a situation where there's hundreds of people that are eating, and we're eating using styrofoam plates and utensils and cups, uh, not styrofoam utensils, but um, and but then as the people go to as they're done with their meal, they'll go and take that to the trash. Now, what will happen in a group of hundreds of people that are eating to have a lot of trash to be thrown away? You know what happens. You've seen it happen. You've watched it happen. Maybe you've been a problem, a pro- part of the problem, or maybe you've been a part of the solution. But you watch the stack grow and grow, and some people will push it down and push it down. And at some point, it's too big to do anything about. And a person comes up, and they have a choice in that moment, a choice in that moment, whether or not they're going to 
be served or to be serving. And whether to stop and say, you know what, it's just too full, and to grab that gross garbage bag, pull it up, heave it out of the trash can, probably with things leaking out the bottom, and run it out to the dumpster where nobody wants to run. Potentially getting yourself messy, getting your hands messy, but doing what Jesus called us to do. Do you see the, the difference? There are lots of people who solve the problem, but usually only a few that actually solve the problem. Many who saw the problem, but no one took the time to stop, to get a bag, and to lug it out to the dumpster. That's a simple example. Why did Jesus want servants? Because servant thinking shows humility. It's considering others better than yourselves. You know, I I don't want to throw this trash away, and i got to go back to my family, and I really wanted to go get dessert before the last one got done, but if I do this, I may miss out on that. Great leaders serve. Now, that's a simple example. I hope this doesn't go too far. There's like a hundred people trying to take out the trash at guest lunch today. That's going to be a problem, okay? You, you, you just need to understand that it, there is a difference in wanting to always be served and then being willing to serve. And the second quality that servants exhibit is courage. You have to have your heart open to getting your hands dirty. That's what being a servant is all about. You have to be willing to do the things nobody else wants to do, and nobody else wants to do them for a reason. This past Sunday night, there was a a dinner. We were there. Uh, The dinner was over, and I came out, and Janice Hagler said, Toby, where's a mop? And I know instantly what had happened. Those of you who have been around Northside a long time do too. The women's restroom had had a, a, a... blockage and was overflowing there was a fountain free for you and me it was don't haste oh haste to its brink but janice janice was she saw the problem knew it needed to be corrected she did not go seek out the deacon of facilities to handle that she said toby where's a mop so that i can fix the problem that's good that's what servant culture is all about You can't serve Jesus and not serve other people. You can't. You can't claim to serve Jesus if you don't serve other people. Saved people serve people. That's the example. That's part of our culture. That's who we are at Northside. We have a strong servant-hearted culture. For us, that's a stewardship issue. In other words, someone served us at one time, and because they served us, we remember that example, and we're willing to serve someone else. Even if we don't want to, even means a gross, disgusting job, but we know someone else did that before us. First Peter 4.10 said, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards. Catch that, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. From Know Your Bible Graders, both through the mail and online. You know, there are, there, that's all the mail we, I would say 80% of the mail that we receive at the, in the mailbox is people saying, I want to study the Bible. I want to know more about God's Word. I want to grow. Isn't that cool? You know how that's able to happen day in and day out? I mean, just every single day, more and more Know Your Bible Correspondence courses. You know how that's able to happen? Because people like Brent Davis stays after worship, 
and silently without a lot of fanfare, and certainly not to be recognized by the preacher, but he's great in Know Your Bible Correspondence courses. And there's, there's, I mean, that, that's the tip of the iceberg. There's so many people that do that. Now there's an opportunity to do it online. You can talk to Luke and Tara Nelson about doing that. But, but you, you have, maybe someone in here came to Northside, came to Jesus Christ because of Know Your Bible. Because you took a Bible correspondence course. And someone graded that for you. Maybe there's an opportunity now where you could do for someone else that which was done for you. Does that make sense? What about the prayer tree? Uh, Billy and, and uh, Ginger send out the prayer tree uh, on the email. And whenever there's a, a, a big prayer request or a small prayer request, people if people make the request, they will send it out and engage Northside's prayer warrior team. Now, have you ever been the recipient of a prayer tree of, of someone praying, knowing that not just one, but... Probably hundreds upon hundreds of people here in your family were praying for you. Maybe you could return that and serve in the way that you've been served. Maybe you're on the email list and you get that email and just stop and pray. If you're not on the email list, maybe you could join that. Talk to Mark or talk to uh, Ginger or Billy and they can tell you how to do that. Funeral, funeral meals to celebrate recovery, women walking with God, Wichita work camp. I mean, I could be up here for the rest of the sermon giving examples of how people at Northside serve and the ways in which they serve. And my challenge to you is to say simply, if you've been a part of that, keep doing that. That's what makes Northside work. But if you've been on the receiving end of that, maybe you should be a part of that ministry to get involved to serve. I will tell you this, Northside's a large congregation, and sometimes people have trouble connecting, trying to figure out where they fit in, especially if they don't have family already here or know somebody already here. If you're in that position, the number one thing you can do to get connected to this church family and in this church body is to find a way to serve. It helps so much. You get connected as you're working together and serving together and doing things together. I mentioned the... the team that handles the funeral meals and that handles the Wednesday night meals. You think that those people on that team aren't closer now than after they've spent hours upon hours in the kitchen, serving together, preparing together, getting food ready together. They built a community within the community at Northside. So if you're feeling disconnected, the best way to solve that is to serve. And the opposite of that is true. If you're smart, you've thought ahead to that already. Several years ago, um, the Woodards were going to be gone from the loft class. And they sent out an email and said, would somebody be willing to cover class? They do it, I mean, as far as I can tell, about 50 weeks a year, a lot. A lot. So I just replied and said, yeah, sure, if you need somebody, just let me know. So he said, yeah, I've got a couple openings and... If you'd teach on this date and this date. And I said, yeah, good. So I was going to, this is the preacher now, and I was going to the fifth and sixth grade classroom. As I, as I went there, I ran into someone, and I said, hey, how you doing? They said, oh, where are you heading? And I said, well, I'm going down here to teach a loft class tonight. And they kind of did this number. I mean, if I can just, can you just zoom in, I just kind of did this. 
And, and in, in a, one of those moments where a lot of truth is revealed in jesting, they said, fifth and sixth grade, isn't that kind of a step down? They didn't last very long here at Northside. You know why? They, they didn't get it. They didn't get that being a part of the family here is not about being served, but about serving. And that's from the elders all the way down to the newest member. We want everyone to serve. I'm not the hero of that story. I'm just exemplifying a culture that's a part of who we are. Several weeks ago, I shared this story, but a young mom had a child who exploded, not exploded, but threw up, is right here in church. A big mess. Embarrassing. And one of our shepherds, Brent Groves, and one of our other gentlemen, Jim Weathers, just making no fanfare about it and not asking the preacher to keep talking about it, just went and grabbed some rags and and a bucket and just went to go clean up the mess. That's who we are at Northside. That's how we work. And if you want to get better connected, if you'll adopt that mindset, you'll grow. A couple basic ways to do that at Northside, to take on this servant-mindedness. Number one is to volunteer. Okay, uh, You can talk to Mark Yakely. He'll give you some ideas. He's got now an uh, involvement survey that's available out in the foyer. It's f- seven pages, right, Mark? Seven pages full of opportunities to serve. And you can check every Every single one on all seven pages, and you will get plugged in in small ways and in large ways. And that's a good thing to do, and I want to encourage you to do that if you haven't done that already. But there's another way that's important as well, and that is just to do it. Don't, without a survey, not anybody asking, not anybody assigning, not, not a ministry leader or a deacon asking for you to be on their team. Those things aren't bad, but these are just ways in which you serve. A few examples of that. Tonight at 6 o'clock, I'll come in. I'll be in here about 5.30-ish, and there will be a group of servant-hearted people who will be going through each of the pews one by one and picking up the handouts and the trash left over by all of you. They don't do that to judge you or admonish you. They do it because it needs to be done. To those of you who do that, thank you. If you are um, see something that needs to be done, then open your heart and be willing to get your hands dirty. And you will fit in well at Northside. You'll fit in well in the kingdom of Jesus. Because that's who Jesus called his followers to be. It's not just a Northside thing. I have a lot of Northside examples, but God's kingdom is to be a servant-minded people. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, if you're following along, turn there with me. The Apostle Paul said this, Galatians 5, 13 says, We are to serve one another in love. Going all in means serving and not just serving, which we've been talking about, but making sure that comes from the correct spirit, serving in love. Love. Think about the ways just this past, let's say, hour and a half. Think about the ways you've been served this morning. Someone offered to park your car. 
Someone welcomed you. Probably someone opened the door for you, welcomed you with a hug or a smile or a handshake. As you came in here, someone handed you a handout. I saw Austin and Colton doing a great job of that this morning. I mean, everyone, really, the oldest to the youngest, can get involved. Uh, maybe you took your children to children's classes. Norma uh, organizes so greatly all of the teachers and volunteers needed for that. Uh, the nursery and the Adult classes, someone taught that, someone prepared a message from God's Word. I heard Brad Sibley teaching in here this morning. And he, he had taken time to study God's Word, to impart God's Word to you with all the other things he has going. What about children's training hour? I mean, there are parents in here right now who are actually getting to hear a sermon because someone else over there volunteered to not be able to. That's good. In just a little bit, someone will serve you lunch that they made with their hands using their their food and, and their money to buy that food. You can come at Northside. You can sit and be served for a long time. But if you just sit and be served at Northside, you will be what is known as a spiritual couch potato. And you'll start to look like one. You'll come and you'll sit and you'll receive and receive and receive and you will not grow. If you want to grow and get connected, find a way to serve. To lead like Jesus, you've got to have your heart open to getting your hands dirty. So, let's finish this by doing a little self-inventory. My question for you is this. How do you serve? How are you serving others? I mean this for you. Not thinking about everybody else in the auditorium. I want you to think how you serve. You see, the problem is when I do a sermon on service, here's what happens. There are givers and takers in the world, okay? And there's givers and takers in the church world. And when I get to the challenge in a lesson on service, the takers, they just tune me out. They say, all right, we're at that last point of the sermon now, and... I'm, I don't really want to get involved. It's hard. It's inconvenient. I, I really don't want to. And they've got plenty of people here at Northside. I just want to sit on the sidelines for a while and warm the bench. And um, that would just qualify you as a taker. And, and the other problem is that there are those who are givers who are serving in 11 different ministries currently. They have three meetings alone scheduled for today. And so when I give this challenge, they go, you know, I probably really could add just a few more things in there. You see the problem? So I want you, everyone, to make a list because this, this list gives you an out, okay? The, the, the list is this. What are the three ways in which you serve at Northside? At least three. You may do 11, that's fine. But I want you to write down on your handout Three ways in which you currently serve. Okay? If you can write three, then you're good. You are connecting, you are serving. Now I want to encourage you, Galatians 5.13, to serve in love. It's possible to have served in a ministry for decades, and all of a sudden you realize you've lost the love for why you serve. That's a heart check moment. But if you will, if you will write those three down. Now, if you, if you cannot think of one, or if you can't fill up all three, My challenge is for you, step up your serve a little bit. Step up your serve just a little bit. 
Fill out the involvement survey. Talk to Mark. Uh, he can, and we can help you get connected if you want to. But you have to want to, and that's the, the key to it. So this morning, I hope that you're filling out three ways in which you serve. And if you cannot fill out three, if you're leaving that part blank, maybe, just maybe, you misunderstood what kind of king Jesus is and what kind of followers he seeks. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This morning, as we think about serving, we have to go back to Jesus and say, Jesus at his core was a servant. Why? Because he would lay down his life not just in small, minute ways, not just in washing feet, but laid down himself on a cross to pay the price for our sins. To lay himself down that we might be raised up and by having the hope of resurrection in Jesus. This morning, if you do not know Christ, and more pointedly, I want to ask, if you are not in Christ... If you've not chosen to obey what Jesus said to do, you can't claim to be following Jesus. You've got to do what he said to do. And he said simply, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, 15 and 16. If you have not done that, I want to invite you to do that. To lay yourself down in the water, not because there's anything magic in the water, but because there's very great power in the blood of Jesus Christ. If you do not yet know him, or if you haven't been walking and serving as he's called you to walk and serve, I want to challenge you to make that list and be thinking of ways in which you can grow. And if we can pray for you and encourage you in any way, don't hesitate to respond this morning by coming down front. Our shepherds are here for you. We can pray for you or lead you to Christ. Whatever your need might be, please come as together we stand and sing.